Welcome to the Future Now Media Podcast, where we believe a future now is a future one. I'm your host, Peggy Kim, and I'm the founder and president of the Future Now Media Foundation, which is a nonprofit leadership incubator for the media and entertainment industry. In this podcast series, we'll be talking to some of today's top industry leaders, executives, and professionals. We'll also hear about their personal and professional career journeys, what makes them tick, how they got to where they are today, and what they've learned along the way. And we'll also share some of the best content from our Future Now live events. Today's episode features a conversation with Phyllis Ehrlich, who is the Group Vice President of Spectrum Reach Preferred, the $1.7 billion media sales division of Charter Communications. It provides top media clients with exclusive services, support, and customized data-driven solutions. And Phyllis is the mastermind behind it and leads the Spectrum Reach Preferred team. Now, how did she do this? I'll give you a hint. She saw a need and an opportunity. In today's interview, Phyllis shares about the twists and turns of her career journey and how she has faced and successfully navigated major changes and disruptions in the industry. She talks about the value of variety and diversifying skill sets and interests, how to network and cultivate productive relationships, and what new opportunities are emerging in the media industry. There's so many great lessons to be learned from her story. She doesn't just work hard, she works smart. Take a listen. You've had a really interesting and varied career. You've had a long, you've, you've gone through some interesting transitions also through mergers that we've seen <laughs> happening quite a bit in the industry. Yes. Um, but you, you're, tell us what you do. So as a group vice president. Okay, so right now, I am the group vice president at Spectrum Reach. And mm-hmm. Spectrum Reach is the advertising sales division of Charter Communications, the cable company, or for those of you who have residential service called Spectrum, um, and it is the merged company of Charter, Time Warner Cable, and Bright House, which happened about two and a half years ago. So I run a group that I created after the merger called Spectrum Reach Preferred, and our team focuses exclusively on our top revenue advertising clients and partners. So basically think, you know, American Express Platinum or Chase Private Wealth. We offer a higher level of service to our top advertising clients and partners. Wow, awesome. So when you say you created this, this was something that didn't exist before. Was it your idea and then did you propose that or was that something that, you know, the new company wanted to do and put you in charge? So a lot of stars aligned. Um, Previous to this at Time Warner Cable Media, I had also created a team and a new business model there um, called Client Solutions. And that was a team of more than 100 people across all the Time Warner Cable markets that focused once again on helping the sales team build partnerships with our advertising sales clients. And we mainly deal in local advertising sales meaning anything from Peggy's auto dealership to local restaurants or retails. And our mission is really to help these businesses across the country, you know, help drive their business forward uh, through our product suite of advertising, whether it's television or digital or TV everywhere or a promotion. So, you know, we're marketing partners and that's what we try to do. So I had this team at Time Warner Cable Media, and after the merger, obviously we were charged with bringing three companies with three very different business models together. It was decided that basically what I was running was a field marketing organization, and it was decided at that time that that organization would be rolled up under our corporate marketing group. Yet, you know, I looked at all the data and were, uh, the combined company is about $1.7 billion wow. in annual revenues. And you know, when I looked across the client list, you know, I realized very closely that about 80% of the revenues come from 10 to 20% of the clients. The largest advertisers, some of whom are big national advertisers, and you know, that are all the businesses orchestrated by large advertising agency holding companies. 
Um, and we can come back to that in a minute because just like there's been so much consolidation in the media world, there's been that same kind of consolidation in the advertising agency world. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I had a former boss who said to me, you know, where there's chaos, there's opportunity. So I sat back and I said to myself, well, you know, if I want to continue my career here, I'm going to have to figure out where's the opportunity mm -hmm. and what's the new model. And I, you know, sat back and said, okay, well, to really differentiate ourselves in this rapidly changing world of media and marketing, what if we had, um, you know, a small, nimble team, almost like Navy SEALs, that would work with sales and our clients and provide a higher level of service. Mm -hmm. Really uh, spend more time helping be their marketing partners. Um, so I pitched the idea. I did have some good fortune uh, because our chief revenue officer, who I was now reporting to, turned out uh, to be one of my former colleagues and partners way back when in my Turner Broadcasting days. Yeah. We already had a track record of history together and so he and I, you know, cooked up this new idea together and he was fully supportive and two and a half years later just putting together my, you know, my recap for last year and my team of 27 is touching more than four growing our client dollars of that 1.7 billion dollars in revenue mm -hmm. and we've been able to demonstrate that we are growing our clients we're retaining these clients mm -hmm. and we're also helping develop new business wow um, so you know a piece of advice for any of you who are mm -hmm. listening is make sure to never burn your bridges in this industry <laughs> Um, and also to keep the relationships that you form every you know stop along your career in good standing because you never know when somebody is coming back into your life and hopefully they have a positive experience and a positive memory and that trust always remain so we picked up where we left off yeah. and you know fortunately things are going great right now Wow! congratulations thank you I when I listen to your story I think of a few different lessons um, it's the it's the relationship lessons so it's always about how how do we build our relationships and when we talk about networking i think a lot of people kind of have this like icky feeling about networking that it feels a little bit smarmy or it's like what can you do for me and that kind of thing but um it's it for me i kind of define that as you know it don't think about it as what can you do for me <laughs> now um or soon, but rather this is a relationship where we're actually getting to know each other, we're getting to work to work with each other and trust each other. And you know, those are relationships. They're for the long haul. So that's one. And then you know, I totally agree with that, Peggy. And you know, first and foremost, it's about being genuine mm -hmm. and authentic. Yeah. Right. In in building relationships with people at any level. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just as important to build a relationship, you know, with people who are your peers, people who are above you, and also people that are more junior mm -hmm. than you, because you can learn something from everyone. Um, so it's being genuine and authentic and trying to find um, different things from different people. And, you know, honestly, it's also great um, to always make a few deposits in somebody else's bank. So yeah. it's always great to go out of your way for someone else, not necessarily expecting anything back or mm -hmm. thinking that you're going to get that return. But when you're good to people and you go out of your way for people, I truly believe that that good karma comes back to you yeah. in some positive ways. Yeah. Absolutely. The other thing that I got from what you were sharing is, um, you know, because we are as an industry, there's so much consolidation. Everybody, there's a, there's mergers and acquisitions, and um, with that come a lot of instability. So a lot of people end up losing their jobs in situations like that. And you were very proactive in trying to figure out how can I bring value. In, a, in the chaos. Right. How can I bring value to the future of where this company wants to go? 
And so that, I think, is also, um, it's just smart. Well, thank you. Right? Um, you know, I think, fortunately for me, at this stage in my career, which, you know, is the long and winding road, and you're right, it's really about inventing yourself and reinventing yourself constantly. Um, but I think at this stage in my career and in my life, I'm fortunate enough to be able to be more fearless. Mm -hmm. um, in 2008, when I was working for Turner Broadcasting, mm -hmm. I had an amazing uh, 11 and a half year run there on the Cartoon Network brand. And it was, you know, the beginning of the recession and the really bad economic time in this country. And I was a senior vice president. I had created the Cartoon Network um, sales and uh, advertising, sales and promotions, marketing mm -hmm. practice there that was emulated by TBS and TNT later on. Um, but in June 2008, you know, I was called into the president's office. I was going home that night to pack for a business trip to Los Angeles. And he said, well, I have some news for you. It has nothing to do with your performance. You know, you've killed it here, but we are reducing our staff and we're eliminating your job, um, along with my boss's job and another senior vice president in the group. How did that make you feel? Well, it was pretty traumatic <laughs> at the time. Um, I can't say that it was blindsided. I, I, I kind of anticipated um, some of my other um, mentors, one of whom, in fact, my husband and I are having dinner with tomorrow night, um, was eliminated in a very high-level role. This was happening. I can't say I was shocked. The company had come to me earlier and asked me if I was interested in moving to Atlanta for a different kind of position. Mm -hmm. And at the time, our kids were growing up, and that wasn't a possibility. So I had kind of a gut. But the good news was I did have a contract, so I was very protected. And you know what? Fast forward, okay, 11 years later, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my career. Didn't feel so great on that particular day, but you know, about a year later, I had breakfast with the president of the company. We still kept in touch, and I said, I have to thank you. You know why? Because in one moment of time, I got pushed out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I was doing a great job at this job. I had been doing it for a long time. I was at the top of my game in this position, but I was comfortable. Right. And at that time, for me to push myself into doing something totally different would have been a lot scarier. So, you know, I had no choice but to kind of pick myself up and say, okay, what's next? Fortunately, this is where my network came into play mm -hmm. um, because I was fortunate to uh, go to a wonderful female leadership program sponsored by WICT, Women in Cable and Telecommunications, called the Betsy Magnus Leadership Program. Mm -hmm. um, and there I met some amazing women. And after this happened, I got on the phone, called up my network, and everybody came rushing to try to help make connections. And it was one of my Betsy Magnus classmates that connected me with my next job opportunity, which fortunately for me happened very quickly. Mm -hmm. And from, you know, after having been in, you know, kind of a cushy corporate role for a long time, I went to a startup. I went to a startup in interactive TV advertising called Brightline where at the time I was employee number 14, and I took on a very aggressive business development role, mm -hmm. which I had never done frontline sales, um, in a new business model. And it was a crazy two and a half years, but I learned an unbelievable amount from the CEO who was a woman, and she was you know, absolutely brilliant. And so I never would have taken on that kind of you know, risky opportunity in a sense. And the reason that she hired me so quickly was because I had great relationships with the clients mm -hmm. from all my years at Turner and my years before at Disney. And so I was able to learn 
the very early days of advanced advertising. And then I realized two and a half years into it, it was just exhausting. Yeah. I did really well. I broke some major new clients, including Kellogg's and GlaxoSmithKline, but I realized it wasn't my true passion. And that was much more comfortable for me and where I really thrived was in more of a sales support role, helping develop the ideas, working with sales, but having other people you know, be on the front line. Mm -hmm. um, and so my very same Betsy Magnus classmate, um, I met with her and I ended up going to work for her um, at Time Warner Cable Media. Wow. You know, where I had a great six years before <coughs> the merger. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if not for that experience at Turner, I wouldn't have had these two new um, job experiences. And I remember um, that, you know, one of my colleagues at the time said to me, you know, look, Phyllis, you can go and you can look for a job that's similar to what you've already done. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to make you... Um, more, you know, marketable as, as an executive. And it's not going to be probably as fulfilling as to keep learning and growing. So if you look now at, you know, my long and winding road from where I was at Turner Broadcasting and then going to a startup in advanced advertising, then learning the local cable advertising world, what I do today with my preferred team puts all those things together because we're selling a product suite that's television, that's digital, that's advanced advertising, mm -hmm. that's creative. So, you know, I wish I could sit here and say I planned it all out beautifully. <laughs> um, I didn't, but that's what you have to be prepared for. You have yeah. to be prepared to, you know, zig to the left, take a right turn, sometimes, you know, maybe slam on the brakes. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, in, if you're going to be in media and marketing today, if you're going to be in any kind of business, you know, the only thing that's constant is change. Right. So you got to hang on tight, but you've got to be open uh, to change. Because mm -hmm. if not, it's really tough. Yes, for sure. Um, so our, our audience here of students and online and future now, our, you know, our target audience is college students, graduate students, recent grads. And a lot of them are just starting to, they have this sense of uh, this idea that they want to come into the media and entertainment industry. Um, and what, you know, how did you get your start in the industry? Did you already have a very clear idea? I want to go into media and this is what I want to do and this is what I'm good at. And so this is going to be, this is the job that I want when I'm graduating. Well, I actually started my career out as a magazine editor. Was so, that intentional or? Yes, yes. So from the time that I was, you know, a little kid, mm -hmm. I loved writing. In fact, you know, I wrote my first book about Snowball the cat, even though I never had a cat <laughs> um, when I was about eight. And I still have it, you know, in my, oh, wow. in my memory box because my parents helped me cut out the face of like a cardboard cat that was the, like the book <laughs> and you know paper uh, pipe cleaners for the whiskers and so I was always creative and I loved mm. writing mm. and I had a very dear aunt um, that used to love to write poems and stories uh, for my sister and me when we were little girls we were we were very close so I always loved that and I was a communications major in college and I looked at all aspects, you know, from newspaper. I was, you know, the assistant editor of my high school newspaper. Mm -hmm. So all those things were very consistent. Mm -hmm. And when I went to college and was a communications major, I took newspaper classes, you know, I took magazine writing, um, you know, uh, mass communications. And I had an amazing professor who was a uh, writer at the time for New York Magazine. And I was really just enchanted by the magazine writing and editing class. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, you know, I was a good writer, but I was probably even a better editor. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And, you know, in those years, which we don't want to talk about how far back it was, <laughs> um, you literally, you know, found your first job, like, through the little ads in the New the York Times, in the classified section. There was no social media. There was, like, no internet. So I looked up all, you know, the ads in the Times, and I applied for an editorial assistant position mm -hmm. for American Baby Magazine. And I remember my dad at the time, who was very supportive of both my sister and me uh, being able to do anything that we wanted to do, said, you need to differentiate yourself in your resume. So I think you should send a little photograph of yourself with your resume. And indeed, I had like little headshots made up. And I sent out my resume with a cover letter. And I got a phone call on a real phone mm -hmm. at the time in my bedroom. Uh, from a, you know, a woman who said, I've got your resume, would you like to come up for an interview? And I went up for the interview, um, and it was a private company called American Baby. They created ex magazines for expectant and new parents. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing experience. I got hired at the editorial assistant. It was a small private company. I was able to walk down the hallway in my 20s and say, you know, I have an idea for a new magazine or a new project. And they would say, okay, well, let's just do it. And so from there, I rose up the ranks at American Baby to ultimately become the managing editor. And then I had this idea to start a new magazine about children's health. Mm -hmm. Because what I realized was that all of the letters that we got from parents were about the topic of children's health. Um, and this is where my amazing husband, Joel, comes into the picture because he joined the company as the publisher. And we worked together for many years and we created a series of magazines and television shows called Healthy Kids. Then we fell in love and got married and it's almost 26 years later. Wow. So it's a nice story. Yay. And Joel was the publisher and he was the sales and the business guy. And from him, I got what I like to say my, you know, MBA in life without going to school because by osmosis and working together, I absorbed a lot of that. And then when I kept saying, well, I noticed that everybody on the business side makes more money than us editors. Mm -hmm. That's when I kind of jumped over <laughs> later in the career. I was going to say, how did you marketing. go from doing the creative stuff to being more on well, the business side? Well, I was always side. creative, but I always had the sales acumen of mm -hmm. understanding what the idea was yep. and what the idea was for the consumer, mm -hmm. but what that was going to mean for the advertiser right. to be able to put them together. Mm -hmm. And I got my first kind of leap of faith when from there um, I went over to Disney. From Disney as an editor, I went to Turner because they loved my experience in kids and parenting. And then again, I had those same relationships with some of the top clients, the Fisher Prices and the Hasbros and the Mattels and the Gerbers of the world. So that's kind of how it happened. Right. But it was a big leap of faith. Yeah. Um, but in my soul, I'm always a creative. And I think that's one of the things that drives my success because at the end of the day, nothing sells better than a great idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for what's the right idea to bring to the right client that's going to help them make their business a success. That's awesome. If you, um, so you, it seems like you were very clear from a very early, early age yes. and you just kind of went for it. Yes. So for those students who um, might not be quite as clear at this stage, um, do you have any advice for them? Sure. I mean, I think you don't have to know everything that you're going to want to do when you start. I think you just, like, you know, we talked about the road. Mm -hmm. I mean, just get into the car and start going. So try out different things. I think one of the best ways as college students that you can experience different aspects is through summer internships. Mm -hmm. So very often, if you try throughout your college career summer internships in slightly different areas, you can get a sense of what it's like in the real world and what you feel passionate about. Whether in marketing and media, it's programming, or it's sales, or it's production, 
or it's finance or business, whatever those areas might be. Mm -hmm. And you learn something from every stop along the way, so you don't have to feel that you can't decide, you know what, this is not what I'm really loving and I want to make a change or an adjustment. And actually, sometimes it's easier to do that earlier in your career. So don't be afraid. Just you know, get into the game and try some things and then see. But you should always, always follow your passion. And if it doesn't feel right to you, we spend a lot of hours at work. Yes. So that's so another. So you need to really feel fulfilled and feel um, that you're enjoying what you're doing. You have kids. Yes, and hopefully some of them are watching right now. <laughs> How many kids do you have? Joel, between the two of us, Joel and I have three. And we have a granddaughter on the way in March. Awesome. How did you raise children, like balance your work life? And I mean, you know, as a, as a woman, I mean, some, it's just easier for men, right? Um, how did you kind of navigate all of that? Well, first of all, there is no such thing as balance. And I don't even like that phrase because it implies that we can get to that equilibrium. And it's really hard. Um, and I, I think it's that you have to expect that, you know, it's kind of like a scale. And sometimes, you know, it tilts this way and sometimes it tilts that way. And hopefully you figure out what's most important at different stages you know, in your family life. I mean, there were times in my career, you know, Joel and I had a blended family. There were times in my career where I had to pay more attention to what was going on with the kids and the family. And at that time, I probably couldn't take on, you know, more of a, a career. And that was okay, because at the end of the day, you know, my legacy is about hopefully you know, raising a great family and, you know, launching three productive, happy adults and they're now expanding families into the world. And that was always what I felt was most in my heart. Um, you know, fast forward now, you know, as an empty nester, you know, I can do all kinds of great things and have the time to, more time for myself, more time to do the things that are very meaningful to me um, like also being a certified professional coach or doing some pro-social work. Um, so, you know, it's really figuring out what are your priorities and not thinking that you have to or can do it all in the same moment of time. Yeah. You know, I had one of my um, team members in my office today and she was homesick yesterday and her daughter was sick and she came in the office today and she said, oh my God, I couldn't wait to come back to work today. And I said, you know, I used to say that when my kids were growing up, I'm going to work to relax. <laughs> um, and that's because honestly, okay, whatever trials and tribulations there are in the business world, you know, I don't get rattled by those because try, you know, juggling the demands and, and mm -hmm. raising a family and doing all of that, you know, 24 seven. And, you know, I think it's great for women and for moms to, to admit and say, you know what, it ain't easy. And some days it is easier to go to work or to find fulfillment. Um, but I think, you know, it, it is a lot of juggling. It is a lot of figuring out priorities. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully you have, you know, a, a supportive partner or other people in your life to be part of that ecosystem to help you. Right. I know that mentoring is something that's really important to you. Can you tell me why it's important to you? I just feel that especially at you know, this stage in my career and my life, it's so important to me to pay it forward. Um, I just love helping you know, young people like all of you in the audience and all of you um, hopefully watching as you are figuring out and building your paths forward. And it's so great to have somebody to bounce ideas off of or to be there in your corner mm -hmm. to cheer you on. And 
I had some, I've had and had some great mentors in my career. And it's, you know, one of the most rewarding relationships because it's really a partnership, Peggy. It's not just a one-way relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and in my mentoring relationships with my mentees, very often I get as much back from them. And I'm on the board of an organization called She Runs It mm -hmm. um, for women at all levels in media and marketing. And one of the things we do in our mentoring program, uh, for which I'm the board liaison, is what we call reverse mentoring. Mm -hmm. So we have reverse mentoring month when we ask mentees to really trade places. And I love working with my mentees and asking them for help in social media and all the things that I may not be as great at. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, hey, can you teach me a little more about Instagram? Um, so good tip for you for Facebook Live <laughs> for the future. Um, and it's, it's great. And also, it gives me a beat because I hire a lot of young people out of school um, and in their early years of career. So it also helps me understand what's really important to these new generations because what they're looking for in the workplace is very different from how we were raised and what we were taught to expect in, in the workplace. So I love mentoring and I just think it's so vital, you know, in terms of whether you're a mentor and mentee. Mm -hmm. when, who was your first mentor? I think that, I think my parents were my first mentors. I mean, I was truly blessed um, to have, you know, two amazing parents. And my father passed away in August at almost age 93, wow. my mom earlier. And what I talked about um, at his memorial service was how, how blessed I was and how amazing that I had two parents who grew up, you know, in the Depression era and had two daughters who they raised to believe that the sky was the limit mm -hmm. and that we could do anything, achieve anything. And I was so blessed to have that upbringing. And you know, some of the things that both of them taught me were, number one, self-praise is no recommendation. So be <laughs> humble. You know, persistence and determination yeah. pay off. Mm -hmm. Work hard. My dad owned the local toy store in Brooklyn in the neighborhood. And from, you know, the time I was a little kid, I was working behind the register or, work, you know, me working with customers mm -hmm. selling toys on the floor mm -hmm. um, and wrapping packages at the holiday. And the customer was always right. And um, that's what I tell my team today <laughs> also. So I was just really fortunate. Um, to have it in my immediate family. Yeah, I, I would say the same about my my parents as well. My dad was really my kind of role model, mentor. Um, and by the way, my dad worked until he was 88. Wow. So he also believed in, you know, constantly, you know, keeping the mind uh, sharp, sharp and active. Busy. Right. Um, uh, when did you first understand the concept of mentorship? Was that something that you, you understood or was that something that you understood later? I think that's a great question. Um, I think it's probably something that I experienced, but that I understood more of the definition later on through many of the leadership programs um, that I've gone through. And then in many of the companies that I worked in mm -hmm. that had formal mentoring programs. Yeah. So how would, what is a mentor-mentee relationship for those students who may not realize they, what, what that is, if they have it, how they can get it? So a mentor-mentee relationship. A mentor is somebody um, that can provide you with some kind of advice based on their experiences in the career area probably you're going in or the business world that you want to be in. So a mentor is very much about somebody who has been there, done that, and can give you some good advice to how you may help navigate your career path, your relationships, issues that you're having, challenges, looking for new opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, somebody that can be there also to be a cheerleader to you, to sometimes challenge you and help bring out the best in you. Mm -hmm. 
So it's not necessarily just a mentoring professional relationship, but no. mentors can be other things. No, so when she types. runs it, you know, we're just finishing up our pairing for our 2019 program, and you know, we're pairing up about um, you know 125 mentees with mm -hmm. senior level women in media and marketing as mentors, and they could be talking about things like looking for a new uh, job, work-life balance, mm -hmm. presentation skills, mm -hmm. feeling comfortable networking, mm -hmm. learning how to have more of a presence at meetings, or dealing with difficult and political issues you know, right. in, in the workplace. Right. So there can be a variety of topics. And they can get, come from anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. What was one of those um, moments for you with a mentor where they were giving you some hard feedback? <laughs> I hear my husband <laughs> laughing in the audience, and I would consider him a mentor too. I mean, I think the story okay. that I would say is that earlier in my life and career, um, I tend to be a very private person, mm -hmm. and sometimes that, pro you know, desire for privacy and not just like spilling my guts about mm -hmm. everything, the interpretation that people might have had of that was that I was more closed and that I actually wasn't Like you were warm. aloof or something. Yeah, aloof, not warm yeah. and friendly. And, you know, uh, people like people who are vulnerable, you know, and, and have real problems and real issues. So I realized that I could, you know, take a little of this shield off the privacy and just, you know, be more open and more real and, and talk about issues and challenges and things like that. And that was very positive for me mm -hmm. because people warmed up to that and it made them look at me. I didn't seem that myself that way, but it it opened the door to people seeing me as more real. How how are you at feedback? Like receiving feedback? I like to receive feedback. I mean, I think in the business world, sometimes it can be a little painful yeah. when it first happens. Um, but at some of the female leadership programs I've gone through, we practice feedback um, and we, we practice getting. I think feedback is all in the delivery, too. I mean, I think it's really important to offer constructive feedback to people. Um, but they teach you always to start with a positive comment. Um, then to kind of get to where you want to get to and then to end with kind of a positive solution moving forward. Mm -hmm. But look, we don't grow or learn or improve unless we're willing to open ourselves up and take some f constructive feedback. So I think it's a great thing and I'm always working on trying to improve. Yeah. I want to open this up for some questions. Anybody have some questions in the audience? Yes. Can you identify yourself? And yeah, sure. So, hi, I'm Troy Antonucci, um, recent graduate of Pace. But um, uh, in the beginning of the discussion, we talked about the consolidation of the ad agencies and the ad uh, industry as a whole. So I have a question regarding what impact that has and continues to have on the daily consumers and the people that want to enter that industry. Um, we mentioned how because of the remaining mergers and acquisitions, there may be less opportunities for new people to enter, um, and that may give consumers less choices to choose from. So, um, do you have any opinion on this? What do you see from your end, and how do you see it? Well, first of all, I don't think there's less options or, um, for consumers. I think there's more than ever. And I think part of the challenge uh, for those of us in media and marketing is to help demystify um, to consumers and to advertisers what the best options are for them. Um, I actually think there's tremendous job opportunities right now. They may not be what some of the former traditional roles were in advertising, but you know, think about this. Five years ago, 10 years ago, I mean, there was no such thing as a social media manager mm -hmm. or a social media department. There weren't people who were doing things like social listening. Um, I was at a recent conference that talked about the impact that artificial intelligence is going to have on the business world. You know, and it's true that there will be many functions and there will be many jobs that are automated, 
and may be eliminated. But the good news is that there's going to be a greater need than ever for something called empathy in the workplace. Yeah. Because we can have robots and computers all day long understand they're programmed by humans. But when we bring those elements into the business world and the workplace, we still have to deal with real people in other roles. So the conference I went to talked about the increasing opportunity for people that have emotional intelligence also. Um, another area that is exploding right now is data. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all this buzz about big data, and it's true, there's so much information and data out there, but it's really about the ability to take that data and figure out, well, where are the insights? And then distill the insights from all the data that's out there and then be able to tell a story of what does that mean. So there's a lot of great new career opportunities that weren't there. And in the next 50 years, um, sorry, in the next five years, there's going to be more change in the business world than in the last 50. So, so I'm very yeah. bullish on job opportunities. So for somebody who's just kind of starting out in their career, what's, what sort of opportunities should they be looking at? How do they set themselves up for success? I think what's really important is to um, find a company, a product, a brand, wherever you're going, that you can believe in and that you feel passionate about. And your immediate experience in the job world is very much about who your first boss is. You know, who are you going to be working with most closely? <clears throat> what is that first team you're going to be on? So you have to evaluate as you're interviewing, you know, like what in your gut feels right? Because you might want to make a decision <clears throat> to go to a smaller company or a company that doesn't sound as sexy, um, but where you will have a great first experience because it's an excellent product, excellent company, but the people that you're going to work with are going to be able to teach you and you're going to be able to learn from them and you're going to be able to then figure out where that takes you. So it's very much about your immediate world of who every day in your work world you're working with and for. Mm -hmm. Any, you have a follow-up question? Yes. Hi. Hello, my name is Nia Freeman and I was wondering how, how, how would, what advice would you give to someone looking for a mentor? Like, how, how do you find it? Yeah. Well, I mean, first I would say to you, what, what do you want, what are you looking for in a mentor? What help do you need or what, what do you want to learn? Okay. Um, well, my, I got my degrees in communications. I have a, a passion in music. So broadcasting is what I want to do. So someone in that realm, like how would I know to ask, okay, like, how do you, do you ask someone to be your mentor? Like, how does that work? Well, you like, don't, for someone who isn't familiar with mentoring or mentor, like, how does that work? So, what I would suggest is think about the areas that you're interested in, mm -hmm. in communications, music, whatever, and I would do some research on what organizations are out there that you might join and go to some early networking events. Like you're so, doing today. Yeah, exactly. Like, congratulations yes. on a wonderful first step. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned She Runs It. So we have, at She Runs It, we have a young executives group and committee that are women um, 30 and under. And they program their own events. We have our own events. We have our mentorship program. So look for organizations that you might be able to join where you can go to events, where you can meet people, and casually start having conversations because finding a mentor has to be organic. You know, you just don't walk up to somebody and say, will you be my mentor? You have to start to get into some conversations and develop some kind of relationship. You know, for those of you that are still in school, I mean, professors yeah. can be amazing mentors. Mm -hmm. Right, Alice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take advantage of the people that you're working with, you know, in your, if you're still in college mm -hmm. or, you know, in your early workplace as well. And just be, you know, one of the things that the phrase I love to use is 
be passionately curious. So be curious about what's going on in the world, mm -hmm. you know, from pop culture to sports to music to film, you know, not only in your small world of study, and put yourself in situations where you can also just meet interesting people. Because a mentor doesn't necessarily have to be somebody in your same career field either. Mm -hmm. Does that help answer your question? Yes, ma'am, thank you. Good. Yeah. Yes. Hi. Hi, I'm Pavlina Asta. Um, I'm a senior in college, and I have a very similar question, actually. So where do you go? Um, I'm sorry, what? What college? The King's College. Oh, excellent. Yes, um, and my degree is in media, culture, and the arts. Okay. Um, so I've been working in radio since I was 11. Um, I'm now the executive director and producer at the Salem Media Group for all of our national podcasts. And Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> so I worked my way up through the Salem Media Group. Um, so my question, as someone a little bit more experienced in the workforce, I guess, um, all of my mentors or a lot of my like different friends in the you know business and things, whenever I ask them for advice or for you know different steps I can take because I feel like I'm so zoomed in on my career that like I just get all it's all blurry you know what I mean um they always just like say uh you know you're you're doing the right things just keep going and I'm just like well that doesn't really help me so what would you say to someone you know like if you don't really know where to go with your career or like if you don't if your mentors aren't really all the way there I guess like you know what I mean like what would you what would you do with that kind of um advice when Okay, so when you say you don't know where you want to go with your career, I explain know where I want a little to go. bit. It's just the steps to get there, and then like my mentors have been just saying like, "Well, you seem to be on the right path," and I'm like, "I'm so sick of getting that answer." <laughs> so, okay, um, well, I don't have an you know immediate answer, right. but talk to me after tonight. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Thank you. I think maybe you could. Are you asking specific questions right. of your mentors? I'm like, I'm very, because I, I know exactly what I want. I'm extremely specific, and I do a lot of So things. ask us now. Yes, like, if right, we were, yeah. what, what are you asking? Mm -hmm. what? Right, okay, okay. Usually it's like a whole, like, conversation. Um, but we, we usually start where I, you know, where I've been, or, like, what I'm currently doing, that kind of thing, and then I go into where I want to go, and where I want to go is TV. So, um, like I said, I've been working in radio since I was 11, so I'm trying to make that transition into TV. Um, and I usually ask them, like, well, I'm already contributing to a bunch of different, you know, um, TV networks. I do a lot of, you know, interviews for different TV networks. Where can I, who can I talk to? Like, I usually just act, ask for, like, other connectors. Um, but what are you sense. trying to do? So it right. sounds like you are doing it. I you am, are doing what you want to do. So right. where is it that you're trying to get to? I want it to be a more stable thing. So like I want obviously radio is great, but I want it to be like you want a full time job full -time at a TV network yes, exactly. as a host. Doing what? Okay. You want to be on on air, yeah, or yeah. I'm not sure what on you want. Air. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yes, on air. Um, so you want to be on air talent mm -hmm. at a TV station. Yes. Okay. And I can talk about anything: politics, entertainment. I just did um, a, a hit on CGTN um, on the Golden Globes. So, so and the great. interviews you've had, what have you heard at the interviews that you've had? What kind of feedback have you gotten? I get really good feedback. Like, um, I, I don't think I've ever, um, I've never really had, like, bad criticism. You know what I mean? Like, it's always been really positive. But you want, what you're trying to do is just find one place where you can just plant yourself exactly. instead of yeah, freelancing constantly around. <laughs> kind of plant myself. That's why I asked for those connectors. Why like, do you want to be at one place? Well, like, it would just be great to just be like, oh, I work at CNN or I work at Fox or, you know what I mean, like... You're looking for some stability. Yeah, exactly. And I have that with my current job, um, but I just want it in TV and then more on air. Because, like I said, I'm currently, like, an executive director and producer. So, like, I produce more than being on air, so it doesn't, it's not a satisfaction. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you have an agent? I do have an agent, but he's not, um, his jobs aren't as New York-based. So I'm trying, I'm looking elsewhere <laughs> for a different agent. You're well, doing all the right things. <laughs> <laughs> Keep trying. Okay. Who else? Anyone else have a question? Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, my name is Courtney Smith. Um, Hi, Courtney. I am a senior visuals communications with a focus on time-based media major um, at Bowie State University in Maryland. So. 
Um, I'm so, excited, first of all. I'm excited because I see a lot of future now, class of 2018 in the room. And great. You're 18 or 17? 17. 17, 17. yes. Oh, awesome. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, so my question is, is that I have a lot of issues with like, because um, I really want to be in film and I've uh, done stuff here too. But the thing is, is that because I, um, I go to school out in Maryland, it's not as much opportunity for film. Like I've gotten opportunities there, but I'm trying to figure out how to make connections out here solely based off of computer-wise stuff. So that's kind of my question in the sense of how do you make um, connections off the internet in a sense? Because I mean, I, I've like emailed people, but that doesn't take it as far as I want it to be. Yeah. You well, you're graduating that? when? In the spring? I mean, technically, I'm, I'm already graduated, but I won't be walking until uh, spring right now. So, like, I'm currently here. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you're here now, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, in terms of making connections, you just meet, you mean getting meetings with people or actually making the connections? Well, currently, I'm trying to look for, like, an internship or even, right. like... Um, well, internship is a good idea. That's an excellent idea. Production assistant job. Right. But, like... Most of the stuff that I've applied to, it's like I haven't heard anything back or anything like that. And it's kind of like one of those type of jobs where you can't even like connect right. the person that you're uh, possibly wanting to do the job for. Right. So kind of stuck at that point. Right. How, how do you have a good LinkedIn profile? I don't know. You don't know. Okay, so that's a great place to start is your LinkedIn profile right. because recruiters are looking yes. at the LinkedIn profile. Um, it's really, really important for any professional to make sure you've got a really robust, you know, clean-looking LinkedIn profile. So I would spend some time um, fixing that up. You know, putting down whatever experience that you've had on there and start connecting because that's an incredible and powerful tool to connect and network with people. And so, um, how many of you have a good LinkedIn, you, you feel confident about your LinkedIn profile? How many of you feel like you need some help? Okay, so and, some. Right. Well, and if you're yeah. not sure, you know, you can research. There's, there's great books out there, there's great information online on what a great LinkedIn profile is. And, yeah. you know, I will tell you that our recruiters um, at Spectrum Reach and at Charter overall, you know, the majority of people that we reach out to happens through LinkedIn. And yeah. what's vital is in that top section for you to take that small introductory paragraph and make the most out of it. You must have in there certain keywords because an average recruiter will look at a LinkedIn for not even a minute. And if they don't see a particular keyword, you won't even be in the consideration set. So you need to have a clear understanding of what you're looking for and what you're trying to achieve. And the best way to do that is if you're going online and you are applying for different jobs, read those job descriptions and look at the keywords that are in those job descriptions and make sure that some of those keywords are in the description of your skill set. Yeah, so that's number one. And that's, that's for people to find you, but it's also for you to be able to network with people. And so I would highly recommend everybody in this room, before you leave this event tonight, that you connect with us and as many people that are in this room as you possibly can before you leave. Because the, what there's, let, I'm guessing right now, there's 20, 25 people in the room. 25 times the 2,000 that you've got, and you know, I'm guessing right. you've got yeah. 2,000. <laughs> Let's say I've got you know, right. 2,002. Right. Now you've got a network, just between the two of us, 4,000 people that you could potentially be connected with. And if you build, start to build the relationships, with us and with each other in the room, that's what's gonna get you the the opportunity, potential opportunity to get a recommendation for that job right. that you're looking for at that network. Right. Right? Yes. Yes. And we've got Patalia Tate in the room. You should also like follow companies and follow groups because right now there's a lot of people asking for interns to start applying. We're interviewing summer interns now. Yeah. So 
follow companies. Yes. You, know, you just go in and look at companies, whether it's an ad agency or Apple or anyone, and just follow that company. And you're getting news about those companies. How, how many of you, when you're um, applying for jobs, are just uh, are applying online? And then what are you doing after you are applying online? Are you just applying online? How many of you are just applying online? OK. That's why you're having a hard time. <laughs> because if you just apply online and you expect somebody to come and find you, it's not going to happen. It really, you have to do that because that's compulsory as part of the process, but you, ha it, you have to have somebody who can make a recommendation for you. Somebody you know who knows you, knows your integrity, your work ethic, your track record, to then be able to say, right. hey, Phyllis, I think you should really talk to Courtney. She's really bright. She came to the Future Now event. She asked some really great questions. I saw her resume. Can I forward it to you? Right. And talk to everyone, because you never know mm -hmm. when an opportunity is going to arise. So Joel and I were flying home from our vacation in Mexico last Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I sat next to a rising junior at Cornell who lives in New York City. And we got into um, a discussion about how tight the seats were. <laughs> he was about 6'2". And we just got into a whole discussion. And you know, I said, oh, what do you do? Where do you go to school? Oh, I'm a communications major. You know, on, on, on. He was a lovely young man. I got into a conversation with his mother. Next thing you know, you know, he very smartly said to me, um, may I have your card? And I said yes, because he told me he wanted to be in news. And I said, well, we own New York One News, and I know we're looking for summer interns right now. Mm -hmm. And he sent me a beautiful note and his resume, and I connected him to my recruiter, and already networking and a potential opportunity are yeah. in the works. That you're right, he probably would have never even known about or had if it was just in the pile of resumes. So talk to everyone. Yeah. And you don't have to feel like, you know, it's kind of like, what's my opening line? You know, <laughs> what do I, how do I approach this person? It's so, uh, you know, it's kind of scary and intimidating. Just be yourself. But just be yourself. Everybody is human. You know, you got to know the guy because the seats were tight, you know, right. so you were and having a nice common and, experience. Right, a nice aura. You know, so, you know, just be. Well, and then we yeah. talked about shows on Netflix, and I was mm -hmm. asking him questions because I always find it interesting to talk to college students. Right, so. about what you're watching. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Derek. Another future now. I recognize okay. your name. <laughs> um, so I have a question. I, um, I'm into technology. I, I, um, I just graduated in uh, June 1st with a degree in uh, information systems. Congratulations. So thank you. Um, I also like self-taught myself a lot of like production software. So like uh, Adobe Premiere, I know how to make videos, um, I know how to edit sound. Mm -hmm. um, I'm noticing that you know the more I'm doing this, the better I'm getting, right? But you mentioned getting internships to find what it is that you actually like. Um, I like it all. So if I want to start applying for internships. Am I focusing on just one thing as I'm, when I'm starting to send out my resume, or am I focusing on everything that I want to get my hands in? In what you're talking about, if you like everything, just send out as many, uh, respond to as many opportunities as you can and see which one, you know, might land. Okay. That's what I would think. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Hi, Nia again. Okay. I've been out of, I've been, I'm a college graduate. I've been a graduate for a year at this point. How do you find internships when they all offer experience? Like, I don't want the money. Like, I know that internships don't always come with the money. Mm -hmm. But I need the experience. But most of the internships are only, they're only given to college students. Right, for credit only. For credit and yeah. for experience. How do I, as a graduate, get that opportunity? It's like we're kind of left in the dust a little. How do mm -hmm. I go about getting that? Like, yeah, I got some while I was in school. I did get a couple, like, 
certain internships, but I just don't feel like I have enough of that experience under my belt based on the internships that I got. Yeah. So how would I go about getting internships without letting without them thinking that, oh, well, she probably wants money because she's a graduate? Well, I think you have to look for programs that, you know, that do pay. I mean, we, yeah. we pay our interns. Mm -hmm. And many companies today are paying for internships just because of liability and other company issues. So uh, most companies I know, they may also be offering opportunity for credit, but they are paying, you know, a stipend or whatever it is for that window of time. And you should go after entry-level jobs, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Go after entry-level jobs. Another thing would be to volunteer. Right. Right. You so know. that's a great thing. You know, everybody is short-staffed these days. Um, We've got amazing volunteers in the room for Future Now. So Chima, who's working the camera today, he, right, you know, you. he applied for, I'm going to, you know, brag on you a little bit. So he applied for the 2018 Future Now conference. At the last minute, he couldn't make it, but he stayed in touch, you know. And then he, he has been working with me and coming to our Future Now events and shooting and doing whatever, you know. I, I, I would do anything for him. You know, because he came in, he's he's proactively pursuing the relationship and proactively um, volunteering. That's something he can put on his resume, right? So you, there are many organizations. There are other organizations like the T. Howard Foundation. They've got an amazing program. Emma Bowen Foundation, amazing program. Um, and, we're, and we're, you know, working together and doing complementary work. That's, that's but, great. I mean, we talked earlier about uh, organizations, you know, organizations that you might mm -hmm. join always looking for volunteers to work different events where you can then get exposure to meeting other people. Absolutely. So those are, I think those are great tips. The other tip I would give you is, um, you know, a lot of companies when they cannot bring on somebody full time will hire somebody that they call a contractor or a part-time employee. Mm -hmm. And very often that's a way to get a foot in the door and right. uh, start working and you know if you're great and then if stars align very often those can turn into full-time positions. Right. I'll brag on Gio. Gio is in the, sitting in the middle of the room. Gio um, came up to me at an event it was probably a, over a year ago yeah. right it was over a year ago it was a women in cable telecommunications um, I don't know it was like a networking event or something and she, you know, came up to me, said hello, and struck up a conversation. We had a follow-up meeting, and, um, you know, she offered her time and services to help and whatever. She's been our social media manager for Future Now. That's great. You know, she now has a job at Discovery. She's doing really well. You know, it's like, all you, if you take the time to volunteer, a lot of doors can open that, for you. I agree. Because That's, there's so much gratitude. Right. You know, like, I'm not paying this person, but they're doing incredible work. Their, their attitude is awesome. It's helping to grow what we're trying to do. I'm like, I, you know, I would die for them, right? So. Right. And remember, how we talked about making a deposit in the bank. Exactly. That's a example. And if I can add to that point, when I had my interview process and they saw that I took the initiative to volunteer, for a media organization that gave me the leg up because, and on top of that, I you know, did my studies and everything. And on top of that, Future Now has also allowed me to network within the company. So I've been able to talk to people about Future Now and be like, hey, there's this event happening, this right. event happening, and pass it along to people who I would normally not talk to across different departments. And even, for example, my account executives are like, hey, why don't you, can you send me like the next time you have this event? I heard you, you're passing this along throughout the office. So it, it branches out even further and further and further beyond yeah. like what you even expect. And we're always looking for volunteers. So, so there you go. <laughs> the door is open. Right. Oh, I also wanted to share with you, you know, several of the students in the room some of them are graduates now, but the Future Now Ent Media and Entertainment Conference, that is a, the whole point of that conference 
is to provide opportunities for access and networking for college students mm -hmm. into the media and entertainment industry. And so the applications are open now for the 2019 conference. It's, 20, it's May 29th to the 31st. It's going to be a three-day conference. First day we will be doing, we'll have a networking reception. The second day we will, it's a full conference day. So it's an opportunity to kind of learn a little bit more about the industry, um, get inspired, and also have mentoring opportunities. Right. So we have mentoring sessions at the conference where in a given hour you'll have, you'll rotate and you'll have at least three mentors that you can talk to and start building Super. relationships with. And then the third day we do mentoring, uh, sorry, the third day we do media tours. So you actually get placed into different companies so that you can go to the companies in their office talk to more people, they'll take you around, you'll get a feel for the work environment and kind of visualize yourself there or not, <laughs> you know, because it's, you know, it's constant learning, you're constantly exploring, you're kind of figuring out what you like, what you gravitate to, what you don't really like, you know, so that conference, there's an application process and you can find that online at futurenowconference.com. Thank you. Anyone else? Questions? No? Well, is there anything that you want to kind of talk about or share before we wrap things up? No, I just, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity um, to talk and meet everybody tonight. And I wish everybody a really happy and healthy and successful year. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's important to always be curious. So read the trades, take classes, attend workshops and conferences, and also volunteer with trade organizations and nonprofits like the Future Now Media Foundation. It's a great way to get to know people in the industry, network, develop genuine relationships, and pay it forward. Keep in mind the best time to meet new people is when you don't need something right away. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Future Now Media Podcast. I'm Peggy Kim. Be sure to subscribe to get first access to our upcoming Future Now episodes and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Until next time, remember, a future now is a future one.